This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Revolution Meet Your Congregation. As always, this is a podcast where you do exactly what it's called. You meet the congregation of Revolution. Um, But today, we kind of have someone who's not only been a congregation member, but has spoke at Revolution, but has also been a amazing friend to me and helped me through some of my darkest moments and uh, is is a fellow minister and uh, has been a pastor to me, and I've been grateful for him and his life. Um, I can't really say enough uh, good things about our next guest, so we'll just uh, get into it and, and see what happens. But we want to welcome Lawrence Richardson, Reverend, Pastor. <laughs> I don't know what you prefer. I don't go by anything anymore, but welcome, Lawrence. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It is such a joy and an honor to be here, and I just – Love you so much, and thank you so much for your work and your ministry and your presence in the world. So thank you for having me. See, already encouraging us. <laughs> um, well, Lawrence, I know what you do, and I know who you are, um, but um, folks who are listening may not be familiar with you. So I'll ask you this. Um, I, I, I Three questions, I guess. We already know who you are, but we'll ask that again. <laughs> who are you? What do you do? And what are you passionate about? All right. Well, I am a pastor. I am a digital evangelist. I'll explain what that means in a moment. Yes. I am a lover of wisdom and knowledge, and I am am a trans person also. Uh, And I am an African-American person who resides in the Twin Cities. Uh, So that's a little bit about who I am. Uh, I am the pastor of Linden Hills United Church of Christ in Minneapolis, uh, I have been there for five years and now I've just been voted as their lead minister. Yes. I was on staff with uh, my predecessor and he is retiring. And so right now I'm passionate about uh, moving into the year 2020 with a new congregation, uh, with some new vision and mission and purpose statements. Uh, I'm also passionate about um digital ministry. And so I call myself a digital evangelist because I love using uh, social media and digital media to really amplify the Christian voice Uh, and not necessarily a particular brand of Christianity, but just the way of following Jesus uh, and what that means, Uh, specifically thinking about the Beatitudes and grounding myself in what it means to, to really think about God as love and to live that out in my life. So I'm really passionate about connecting with people. And so this platform is really great. So thank you for having me on this platform. Uh, because again, this is another tool that we can use to let that light and that love shine. Cool. It's it's cool to have you on as a guest, Lawrence. It's cool that this worked out. Because um, for the listener, you and I actually met in person uh, just incidentally through the catalyst of the UCC I, at their uh, most recent um, annual conference, I was there to interview the president, uh, John Dorhauer, and um, you and I just kind of happened to run into each other in the hall. You were talking to John, and then uh, I came up to ask him a question or something, and he was like, oh, hey, Caleb, you got to meet Lawrence, you know, and <laughs> and uh, and you, of course, know our, our mutual friend, Brian Otland, 
And um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool, the, the similar circles that we run in and, and that we were able to, to set this up. And I didn't even know that, that you knew Jay, much less had spoken at Revolution before. So that was really – because that was before my time at, <laughs> oh, at Revolution. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's wild how uh, those things can line up sometimes. I really believe all great people are connected. It's not six degrees of separation. It's more like one. <laughs> cool. So how did you land at the UCC? How did, how did that – or I guess maybe uh, for starters, what's your, what's your faith background? Uh, what was that like leading up to where you are now? So I grew up Southern Baptist, uh, very, very conservative Southern Missionary Baptist Church in the Twin Cities. Uh, my family uh, filled with evangelists and ministers and missionaries, uh, and I was all set to kind of follow in that path until I realized that the God that I uh, believed in and the God that I gave my life to was a very different kind of God than the one I was being taught about at that church. Um, and so the God that I was really uh, being taught about was a very angry, judgmental, mm. restrictive kind of God. And so I set out on a path of, of exploration that led me to a Catholic college for undergraduate school, uh, majoring uh, in English and sociology, but then also minoring in philosophy and then going into seminary at a Baptist college or a Baptist uh, seminary and studying world religion. Mm. <laughs> And uh, realizing that we, all of us, no matter what stripe of Christianity uh, we are, we put God in such a small box. And so uh, I don't identify as an evangelical Christian anymore, but I also don't identify as a progressive Christian. I kind of am a little bit of both uh, hmm. because I can never really give up who I am and where I come from and what I've learned. But I also understand a shift uh in my theological understandings that lend itself to more progressive leanings. And so, you know, I was uh, ordained in a tradition in the fellowship church that was uh, more progressive than my Southern Baptist roots. Um, and I was serving a church uh, and it was a predominantly black, predominantly queer church. I was the associate pastor. Um, at that time, I felt though that God was calling me to something different uh, and I didn't know what that was until uh, about 12 years ago. I saw a TV commercial, and it's called the Ejector Ad, and it's a UCC commercial. At that time, I didn't know anything about the UCC or the Congregational Church or anything like that. But this commercial showed a sanctuary filled with all different kinds of people, very obviously gay couple, a Middle Eastern person, a single mother, uh, and they just one by one started being ejected out of the church. And at the end of the commercial, it said, God doesn't reject people and neither do we. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. that's the church. Like, I don't know anything about that church, but that's the church. Oh, cool. So uh, long story short, uh, a really wonderful uh, serendipitous moment came when a job opened up at a local church. And I took that job. I was hired. Uh, and. A month after starting that job, we had our annual conference and we went to this meeting and I got lost. And the only thing that helped me find my way was a bunch of signs with the red comma that was in that same commercial. And that's when it kind of clicked that, oh, my gosh, I'm at the church. And so, you know, at that point, I was just kind of making deals with God like, you know, this is it. This is where 
I feel called. This is where I want to give my life and where I want to minister because I don't believe that the body of Christ should be uh, fragmented. and, and, and I don't believe that we should be divided based on our race, class, gender, et cetera. And so the UCC for me was that uh, godsend. And it's the place where I feel certainly called to serve, but I'm just grateful to be a part of this denomination. Cool. And the UCC is kind of a wild denomination because it's like, it's, it's very structured and organized, um, but it's very open and affirming to people. I mean, yeah. just to all people, and I just spoke at the uh, the, Bron- the Bron- St. Paul St. Paul's, yes, yeah, yeah, right. and um, it was really kind of beautiful to see. Well, one, I, I, you know, I can kind of get a vibe for a crowd when I speak to them, but I wasn't sure what this was going to be, and then I got into the crowd, and I just like, oh, you know, these folks are thinking, and their hearts are open, and you know, nothing I'm going to say here is going to cause anybody to get up and run out of the room. Or, you know, I'm not going to get Brian fired, you know, because <laughs> honestly, I've, I've had a few people fired because they booked me. Um, not in a long time, but it, but I have. And uh, so it was, it was, yeah, it was really great. And um, I don't know why I didn't put the two and two together, you guys all being in the same denomination. Um, but yeah, you know, I think for me, you know, s- you've been such an encouragement to me and I don't know if you realize this and I hate to shift gears all the time but I'm going to shift gears again um you know Reese gosh last time we had lunch together or maybe the time before that was either the last time or the time before that we had lunch and you know I was thinking about leaving the ministry again and um I wasn't sure what to do and you know and you're like you need you know stay in the ministry you know either come work with me or get a job somewhere or do that. You know what I mean? We were talking about that. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's so nice to have people in your life when you're questioning God, you don't know if you believe, you don't know where you're at. You feel like your life's falling apart. And they're saying, look at other avenues in ministry. Now I had another friend of mine, a humanist friend of mine telling me, you got to quit. You got to give up. You got to stop. And this was somebody I really, really respected, still respect. But they were like telling me to move on and do that. And then we had our conversation and it was just the complete, you know, it was a complete flip side. And uh, it really impacted me in in such an amazing way. And I wanted to just make sure I thanked you for that. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that because that, that blesses me. So thank you. And I'm glad this was useful. Well, you've been more than useful. You've been an extraordinary friend. Um, And your story is extraordinary. Um, Just the type of church you've in, um, you know, you're, you've transitioned, you're transgender, you're a black man. I mean, you, you have a very diverse church. You bring the diversity to the church, which is amazing. You know, you like, you just represent it. And, um, you know, for me is, is you've bleeded so much of my faith tradition of Jesus is into me that when we talk, you know, I don't see someone who, you know, I don't see, oh, we have a transgender African-American pastor sitting in front of me. You know what I mean? I see someone who's bleeding out Jesus. You know what I mean? And and it's, it's really great because, too, when I tell people about you, that's what I tell them. And then I go, oh, wait. And they're like, what about – and I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, do you know any transgender ministers? And mm-hmm. that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. You're not the first person who comes to my mind because I go, I know a lot. I know this amazing person named Lawrence – 
you know, and I just have always appreciated um, your spirit. You know, there's something, and and it continues to me and makes me want to preach more and go out more and encourage people more because there's a human experience that I feel like when we first met, we just completely connected on a human experience. You know, it wasn't, oh, I've been through this and you haven't been through that. It wasn't, you know, you're a white heterosexual male and, and I'm I'm here. You know, I mean, we just connected through the fact that there's a lot of suffering in humanity. There's also yeah. a lot of healing, but there's a lot of suffering. And we connected through that. And to me, um, I'm just eternally grateful for that. You know, I'm just eternally grateful for that and for you having that compassion and that purpose. And um, I just wish more more people like myself and things like that could have that. But I think what you have is contagious. And I'm so glad you're doing this job and that you're going online and doing it because I think it's something that's desperately needed mm. in the church. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like I always have to put ifs, ands, and buts when I'm trying to explain my faith, you know, and like, oh, and an asterisk, you know. And I'd much rather just be like, oh, here's Lawrence. Just talk to Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> So you're doing, you know, job well. I know we're supposed to be talking to you about revolution, but I, 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 that's my two cents. And I'll let I'll let Caleb come in with some revolution questions. Well, thank you for that. And I will say just before Caleb uh, that in terms of um, just how I can be the way that I am, especially with you, Jay, um, I will. You are someone that brings the best out of people, even if you aren't trying because you are so vulnerable, you're so open and you just are you. And there is no pretense and you don't, um, you don't make people feel better or worse. You meet people where they're at Mm. and you could be someone and rightfully so, right? So jaded, egotistical, Mm -hmm. kind of removed from the world and you are just the epitome of like servant leader. And so oh, thank you. it's easy to be myself with you because you make it so safe. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Jay always has always only spoken very, very high, highly of you, Lawrence. And, and, um, it's really, yeah, it's, it's encouraging. Um, and it's always moving and kind of, it, it can, it can center you even in times of doubt and darkness when you have someone who, uh, radiates the archetype of Christ, even if you're not sure what, you know, even if your definition of Christ or your understanding of Christ, either historically or uh, spiritually, is is not uh, exactly where it was, or maybe in a time of transition or whatever it might be. Um, I know in, in my life, you know, I don't know you uh, very well at all, but, but I know in, in my life, um, people who provide what you have provided, Jay, and what you do provide, Jay, are always a centering force. You know, it's like, I, I don't know exactly, even, you know, if you might be in a place where you're saying, I don't know exactly what Christ is or what God is, but here is a person who, who is, who is embodying love. You know, that's always a very, a centering and encouraging thing that can kind of keep you going uh, in times of uncertainty. So. Amen. Thank you for that. The, the embodiment of love. I think I'm going to write on that. Now. <laughs> Thanks for that, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's almost, I kind of see it as, um, as, as the, the body of Christ, as the, uh, the incarnation of Christ, the, the making flesh of Christ is when, when people, uh, you know, radiate that to other people and, and provide that to other people and wash other people's feet, you know, and, and yeah, in, uh, in, in incarnate Christ on a daily basis, you know. Yes, it is a process, and it's yeah. one that's not for the faint of heart. No, it's not. 
So, so what is, uh, what's the makeup of your congregation? Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about your church? Sure. So, uh, we are the first congregation in the neighborhood of Linden Hills. Um, we were established in 1902 as, a church for resort community uh, that traveled uh, to uh, Lake Harriet from all the way over in Minneapolis. Uh, this was horse and buggy days. So, you know, downtown Minneapolis and Lake Harriet were like worlds apart. And people would travel to stay in their summer homes around the lake and they wanted to have a church. Oh. So the church was established because uh, they didn't want to go all the way back in the city. Well, they found that this church was uh, vital to the community, and it continued well past the summer, and it just became an actual congregation, and it started planting other churches. And so Edina Morningside Church is the first church that it also kind of gave birth to in 1903. Right now, we have a makeup of about 300 adults and children that uh, range from, I think, our newest littlest one is six months old all the way to 94 years old. Wow. Um, and we have uh, predominantly white, uh, about 80% white uh, congregation, and the other 20% is kind of spread between uh, Asian and African American and uh, Hispanic and etc. And so we are in the midst of transition as most churches are. And so right now we are uh, thinking about what our mission is as it pertains to not only our community, but our building and how we use our resources. And so we're opening up our space uh, to a lot of different community groups. Right now, we have a couple hundred people that use it in the evening for different support groups. But we're looking at what it would look like to use the building during the day for maybe office space or recording space or mm. what have you. And so we're looking at ways to use our building as a ministry tool as well. And so I just love this church. I am the first African-American person, the first trans person, probably the first uh, openly queer person. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and the fourth person installed since Harry Truman was in office. And so, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh. this congregation loves long-term pastors. <laughs> so you got some job security, huh? You know, I love it. They love me. It's a great match. Uh, I won't, I don't want to be one of those millennials that has four different careers by the time I retire, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful church. Social justice uh, is deeply rooted in who we are, but so is education and the formation for youth and families. And so uh, I call it a family church, but you don't have to have, you know, an extended family or kids or be married even, because once you come and be a part of the congregation, we become family. And so I love leading in that way, but I also realize that within all families are dynamics that we don't necessarily always want to bring to church with us. And so right. <laughs> yeah. being able to really um, uh, lean on uh, the best of who we are, but then also uh, set up really clear boundaries about who we are and how we are to follow Jesus. Cause it's one thing to just kind of be a part of a group because we get along, but it's another thing to be in intentional community mm. uh, because we are agreeing that this person or this model is what we want to do or what we want to follow. Cool. How, maybe I should have uh, started with this, but I don't think I, I know how you and Jay first uh, came into contact and, and became friends. Can you give us a little history lesson there? So 
I, I'll let Jay also talk. But sure. I'm interviewing <laughs> both of you now. <laughs> but I will say uh, we met through a mutual friend uh, about almost 10 years ago. Uh, and I, of course, uh, have followed Jay uh, as as much as one can follow someone that they don't really know uh, in the public. Uh mm-hmm. And just admired who he was and all that he had to kind of endure and go through as he kind of grew up in front of the world. Uh, And so I just kind of admired that uh, because that's a very (laughs) challenging um, uh, reality uh, and one that I think he has navigated well uh, in spite of how he might interpret that (laughs) or find it himself. Um, (laughs) And just kind of always respected him. So when we met through our mutual friend, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so fantastic. And I tried not to be like, you know, obsessive fanboy, but (laughs) (laughs) in the beginning, it was hard not to be. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I was just I don't know. I was just really, you know, like I said before with Lawrence is you just blown away with his love and his grace and his acceptance and able the everything society tells us about me and Lawrence connecting the way we did with, you know, the society says, no, yeah, you know, there's too many differences, mm. you know, and, and you two couldn't connect. And it just, I mean, I was just like, well, there's another myth gone. You know what I mean? It was just like, we just connected, you know? And, and to me, you know, we, we met through a really great mutual friend and, and, and it was just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like, I just felt like, I'd known Lawrence forever yeah. and I had felt if uh, I hear people talk about inclusion all the time, you know, and you, you know, you don't expect the white heterosexual male. I know I say that a lot, but you know, you don't expect that guy to need inclusion, you know, but we do. We're sensitive Absolutely. people who are, have pain and, and things like that. And it was like, I felt that inclusion right away. You know, I felt safety. Mm. And um, so we just hit it off. You know, I I didn't even know Lawrence was a fan. I just knew Lawrence was uh, an excellent person right away. Mm. And so that to me, that just that drew me in. You know, and I knew like I know when I'm on E or if I'm at the end of my rope, you know, um, it might be time to call Lawrence and, and grab lunch and mm. just be like, oh, I have to, you know, just either just chat or just lay it mm. out on the table, and we've done both. Yeah. And so to me, that was. You know, really it's, great. It's like the old question, you know, who's, who's the doctor's, who does the doctor go to when the doctor goes to? Who's, who's well, the doctor's doctor? Well, and Lawrence, too, like, you know, was on when I did This Is Radio Cast. I had Lawrence oh, on This Is Radio Cast. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it wasn't just all just like, oh, just come speak at my church and do this. You know, I mean, to me, yeah. This Is Radio Cast wasn't my, wasn't, was kind of my, and I'd like to do it again eventually, but it was my secular thing. But you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, if I'm going to have a theologian on or a speaker, preacher, pastor, you know, it's got to be somebody who's hmm. got their pulse on the, on the pulse, basically. Cool. Has their finger on the pulse. And Lawrence is one of those people, you know, That's it's really like, cool. you know, so it wasn't just like Henry Rollins and, mm. you know, well, you know maybe La- Savage, but you know, it was, you know, Lawrence, Lawrence Richardson and, yeah. and, and people like that who just were doing things that I was like, these are people who are doing things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Well, Lawrence, maybe I've been aware of you longer than I realized because I, I don't recall a specific episode, but but when I was a but a mere Jay fanboy as well, I was binging all the <laughs> podcast stuff. So so maybe I've heard your voice before I even realized. Yeah. Who knows? That's wild. Cool. So when you were in that uh, in that uh, 
fanboy stage of your <laughs> uh, relationship with Jay, were you were you like listening to all the the radio cast stuff and the did you did you start listening to Revolution Church at, at a certain point when it was a pod, or when it became a podcast? So a little bit of all of those things. Uh, I you know as a Jay admirer, I, I wasn't aware of Revolution Minneapolis at first. I knew about you know other things that Jay had done, and so um, when I first learned that this was happening and you know i was like <laughs> all on board signing <laughs> up. uh obviously because i work on sundays yeah. uh, there's only there's only been a couple of uh in-person gatherings that i've been able to make uh but that was just kind of those like if i'm in the area i'm in i'm in town this other person is in the same state why would i not go and yeah. see them and if and then of course when the recordings uh, became available and that became the thing. It was like, oh, I'm absolutely listening. Uh, and then when Jay joined Instagram, it's like, I'm absolutely following. Yeah. <laughs> See Revolution Church Minnesota on Instagram. It's like, yes, this is great. And so for me, I just um, I feel like the the love and the respect that I have for Jay um, extended to the people of revolution, um, before I met them. And then of course, when I, uh, was able to come and speak in person or do recordings, every single person that I've ever met has been fantastic and just so inspiring. And so everyone that attract or, or Jay attracts has been similar in spirit. So I've just really been able to follow because of that. Cool. From, from the times that you've had, um, interactions, with revolution, um, do you have any? And I, I please be fully honest about this because because we are we're still trying to map out some things with how we operate. Um, are, are there any things that you've observed that you think that we could work on uh, to do better, or or to certain things that we do well that we could do more of, or things that we could adjust in in how we in how we operate? Can you give us any any pointers as a, as a as a pro? <laughs> no first of all no because I, I all of us all of us could tweak i'm sure something uh the one thing i will say and i i similar to jesus talk best in parables or stories uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'm was mentoring someone uh and they had an interview for a job and it was for a church and they asked uh the the inner the person doing the interview uh called and asked a reference for a reference and they asked what the person's strengths were and what their weaknesses were. Uh, and the best way that I could describe it is this person, or in, in this case, uh, revolution, um, is vital, is uh, a point of connection that brings not only people together, but life and intention and energy together. And when all that comes together, so much is possible. Uh, and then on the flip side, and what I was able to tell to, to, about this person is that when you have something that's so amazing, amazing and exciting and, and worth sharing, it's not a burden and it's not um, perceived as one. And so then when you invite someone to engage in that work, you're not asking them to share a load. You're not asking them to, to roll up their sleeves and get to work. You're asking for them to join in and collaborate on something that's extraordinary, that, that has the power to transform lives and inspire people to live their best lives. And so when I think about revolution, 
I also uh, wonder what it would be like to invite people into a revolution and what it would be like to invite people not into a space to do this thing that's heavy or burdensome, but inviting them to the table to take part in something that's transforming the world. Mm. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. And overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no small task. Jesus started with two, and then 2,000 years later, ended up with billions. Yeah. (laughs) Just have to be crucified. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, know, we have been crucified in the flesh every single day that we stand up or, you know, in your case, sit before an audience or a group of people, you know, the, the, that's why I say this is not for the faint of heart. I can certainly embody the light. Jay, looking in your eyes, do it. You, I can embody the light. You can embody the light, but it takes so much, um, to become a person who can sustain that light once it comes. Mm. And so the, the sustaining, happens through the trials and the tribulations and the hardships and the lessons of life that grow us up, but also the things that knock us down. And so just thank you for being that light bearer. Well, I'm glad, I'm I'm glad to be able to do that. Sometimes I do it and I don't know it, you know, and, Mm. and, you know, being a father of of two little, little ones, you know, that just, in some ways it helps because it takes some of that insanity of being in that position you know, where you kind of hold, just kind of hide the light down or you just try to give it to your kids, you know what I mean? So you don't have to worry about it all as much. But it's also strange because it's like keeping it in the right place and then bringing it back. And, mm. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a whole nother world I live in now. I thought life was tough, man. Having kids is, <laughs> it's like the greatest, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Mm. It's like the, uh, what is that, what's that group called? Uh, the, what's the toughest job you'll ever love? The Peace Corps. Oh, <laughs> I remember that the commercial, it's the toughest <laughs> yeah. job you'll ever love. Um, but that's what it is. So, um, what do you, what do you, you, what do we want? I guess we asked you asked the question in yeah. a different way, so I didn't realize yeah. you asked. <laughs> um, I'll ask you one more thing, Lawrence. Um, in a, a little bit of a broader sense, maybe ask the kind of that, that same question. What do you think that the church, um, uh, the 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 Catholic, you know, or the Church Universal, the the capital C Church. What do you think the Church is doing well, and or and also can work on? I think the Church does many things well. Uh, I think the Church builds community and nurtures a sense of belonging very well. Uh, one of the things I hope that the Church, with a capital C, does differently or begins to see differently uh, is. Uh, what inclusion means yeah and uh and really start telling the truth about how the laws and rules and traditions that we have came to be yeah i think if every single person in every single church pew or every chair knew where their sacred texts came from uh and and how they were organized and how their religious traditions were established, um, and how all of those things really started from uh, colonialism. Yeah, uh, I, I think that would shift the con- conversation a little bit. Uh, I think that Christianity has been co-opted by a lot of things. 
but I think that the lies that a lot of people believe are truth are the things that need to be dismantled before we can build the beloved community of God. Mm. Amen. Wow. That's a beautiful answer. Very well put. Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for taking this time and uh, spending it with us. And I, you know, can pe- and people can just find Lawrence Richardson. Is that your, your tag on Twitter and Instagram? Larry two underscore zero or LT Richardson.com. Great. Awesome. Great plug. So go check out Lawrence and everything he's doing because it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you both for your work. Peace and blessings to you. Thank Love you. Love to you. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hi, I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like The Sacred Collective. We need more more voices, I think, to kind of get up and say this is not okay. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Start with your article and we'll interrupt you. All right. So my article is just basically my story. And I'll write, um, read it. And you guys stop me anytime and ask me questions. Perfect. All right. Most people didn't know that at one point in my life, I checked myself into conversion therapy. I recount my memories or the lack thereof. The dangers of gay conversion therapy, also called reparative therapy, has been brought to light in the wake of Gerard Conley's memoir, Boy Erased, and now the twice-nominated Golden Globe movie. Besides the numerous articles outlining this dangerous practice, the film acted as a catapult for personal stories from ex-gay therapy survivors like myself. I remember sitting in a theater watching the film with my husband and friends unable to move. My husband must have sensed my tension because he tried to gently hold my hand, but they remained motionless, clenched at my sides throughout its entirety. I couldn't move. I never spoke about my experience with how I checked myself into gay conversion therapy. Most of my friends don't even know that part of my life. It was a weekend night when I came home from work and I walked into the house where I noticed both my parents in the kitchen. I've done it almost every day, but this time around, things seemed different. The air was tense, and I could feel something impending. Walking into the kitchen, I saw my mom fervently washing the dishes quietly with her back towards me, and my dad sitting next to the table with one leg over the other quietly looking down. My eyes traveled to the rectangular object on the table, and my heart stopped. There, laying on the kitchen table, was a gay porn falcon video I stashed in my room adorned with butch leathermen on every surface of the VHS tape sleeve. My heart, stopped, my heart stopped and dropped, and my surroundings began spinning in slow motion. I was caught, and there was no getting out of it. I was closeted and still living with my conservative Romanian Pentecostal parents, because in my culture, you don't move out until you're married. Needless to say, all my friends at the time got married in their early 20s, and I was still a good Christian boy waiting for the right girl. Quotes. My parents took me to the garage and ordered me to smash the VHS tape to pieces with a hammer while they prayed to cast out any gay demons in the name of Jesus. My mom didn't speak of the event again, and my dad told me to, quote, just stop being gay. <laughs> if it were possible, I would have, but I couldn't and I didn't. 
I was living a double life where at church, I was a good Christian boy. While on my free time, I'd sneak away with men I'd meet online or at the bar. I was miserable, depressed, and torn. There had to be a way out of it, I thought. That's when I stopped by the local Christian bookstore. I peered through the shelves in the men's section, looking cool and casual on the outside, while my stomach was in knots on the inside. Topics of how to be a godly man, sexual purity, fatherhood, warriors, sports, etc. took precedence. Then there it was. Tucked away was the book on how to break free from the, quote, bondage of homosexuality. That was a post-Christian podcast.